Hey guys, welcome back. In today's interview, we have Kyle Asman from BX3 Capital. We're going to cover a ton of information, including how to get compliant if you're an ICO that may or may not have been deemed as security. Uh, 2019 is going to be the year of regulation, in our opinion, and BX3 and Kyle believe so as well. So what they did is put together a program called Crypto Janitors, and it the whole purpose is to get ICOs compliant with the SEC. Okay, there was a lot of projects that had good intentions that didn't do things the right way. So Crypto Janitors is a way to go in there and essentially clean it all up. So hope you enjoy this episode and we look forward to seeing you again. Today we have a great guest. I had a chance to meet him at a Connecticut event. So I'm from Connecticut originally, so it makes sense that uh, our paths crossed at some point. So I have Kyle here from BX3 Capital. Um, Kyle, you wanna give us a little bit of an intro on yourself and what uh, you guys are doing? Yeah, sure. First of all, thanks for having me on, Will. So we're a uh, full service business advisory firm. I like to break up what we do into a couple of segments. The first one um, being legal. So there we help on the security side and general counsel, helping people who are looking to do um, any types of fundraising really, Reg D, Reg A+, Reg CF, things that are typically um, our sweet spot C to Series B. So typically in that range, we're helping people with their legal work and some of the general counsel agreements. And then the second part is kind of financial. Um, it's accounting and tax. It's a little bit of treasury management, helping people come up with evaluation, create revenue projections. Um, the third part is uh, PR, earned media marketing. It's helping people kind of organically tell their story and organically tell their, uh, organically tell their story. Um, and then the fourth part is fundraising and introducing them to investors and, and helping them raise capital in a compliant way so they can kind of grow and scale their businesses. Great. So in terms of uh, 2018, you guys got started in 2018 or was it a little bit prior to so that? We, we started up in 2017. So we're going to go on being about two years old now. Perfect. So how many people are involved at uh, BX3? Sure. There's about 15 of us now. Great. And you guys are located in the tri-state area primarily, or how's it break down? We're headquartered in, um, we're headquartered in New York city, right in midtown. We have a, we have an office in white plains as well and an office down in Miami. Oh, great. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. And, um, obviously things have changed a little bit in terms of, you know, the ICO scene somewhat dying down. Um, What's your thoughts on that in terms of moving forward? Um, how can you best serve emerging clients uh, and emerging projects like that? Yeah, I think that uh, the ICO model is dead. I mean, it never really made a lot of sense to me how a company and its founders were getting rich before there was any revenue or any product sold. Um, so now I think we're going to move into a security token space. I think a lot of people actually want equity in the underlying businesses, which is why we see a lot of these offerings using a convertible note structure or just a straight equity sale. But I think the, the growth of tokenized assets is something that's going to here to stay. I mean, you'd much rather have a tokenized share than equity in a closely held private company in a minority stake. I mean, you just don't have, you don't have virtually any power, at least with a security token, you have the option to liquidate um, and you can get a return on your investment. You know, it's interesting. I saw an article, I think it was on Yahoo Finance or something like that. And I had heard about this prior to that. But um, what are your thoughts on kind of the traditional market 
taking the elements that work from crypto and revamping the, you know, the stock itself. So being able to break down stocks into micro pieces, kind of like what's seen in the cryptocurrency market. I know Tesla and a couple of other uh, tech companies are experimenting with uh, financial services on the blockchain and, and their company being represented as such. Is that something that you think is going to happen or do you think that the STO market and cryptocurrency is really going to break the existing uh, financial setup? I think we're going to see a bit of both. So I think we will still see an equity market. Um, tokenization of equity does make sense. And in some cases, I mean, Tesla trades around $300 a share. So, you know, I mean, there's some people who might be able to not, you know, might not be able to afford it in some emerging markets. So being able to buy fractions of it, I mean, that really adds up and can have an effect for them. But then there's going to be assets that are just straight up tokenized and, and we'll see that as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, uh, I think there's going to be emerging because as you know, pro, you know, Amazon gets over a thousand dollars as it, as it was and way higher than that. Um, Apple, some of these high tech, um, ultra successful businesses are just out of reach for a lot of regular investors. So I think that model is going to happen at some point, but, um, more on STOs. I mean, T0 was a big one everybody was talking about this time last year. Um, Securitize, a lot of these other platforms, Harbor. What's going on with these? Are you up to date and uh, confident on the ability to use these platforms? Are people using them? What do you think about them? I mean, I haven't seen much personally coming out of them. Um, I think that you're looking at private placements here. I think this is hire a broker-dealer go around to you know family offices venture capital funds that believe in what you're doing and raising capital and you know one thing i've seen that's a little bit different in uh, crypto than typical uh, private placements is typical people are going typically people are going around in raising all their money at once um, in crypto, which is very different. I mean, you saw companies in 2017 in the spring of 2018 raising $40 million in one chunk. I mean, that's, you know, a huge amount of cash where, you know, in a typical venture capital or private placement, you might raise, you know, $3 million in the first round, then five, then 10 and scale up a little bit that way. Yeah. That's, uh, looking back, I mean, it, it's crazy. Some of the valuations that we had, uh, end of 2016, moving into 2017, uh, it, it, it's, it's outrageous. A lot of them were just out of control. So yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. The model just didn't seem to really work. Just like you said, it was, and the other thing was, you know, the idea of the ICO is great in that it allows everybody supposedly to become involved in a company that they wish to put financial backing into. And it doesn't cut people off as, you know, the traditional uh, financial systems do with accredited investors, et cetera. Um, however, it, it, we're seeing the, the reality of that <clears throat> right now in that, you know, project, mega projects like Icon, I mean, most ICOs are just 85 to 90% down and that's the reality. When you have people who go in and invest for the wrong reasons, they're gonna pull their money out anytime they've, you know, hit the, the multiple that they want. So, uh, 
the lockup periods didn't really seem to matter too much. It's it's very interesting how everything kind of went down that, uh, in 2018 as a result of, of all this. Yeah. I mean, I just think there's a lot of crap out there, to be honest with you. I mean, like you said, people invested for the wrong reasons. Um, companies did not have their investors' interest best, you know, best interest at heart. And I mean, companies were afraid to call people even investors. They were token purchasers when, it, you know, it's, it's abundantly clear now. And I think it was then that people were, you know, investing with the expectation of a return or profit. Um, one thing I do think that we will see in 2019, though, is some of these companies that built technology but maybe didn't have the right financial management, I think we'll see some M&A with them with some people looking to come in and some purchase some of the intellectual property, um, you know, if it was even patented or if, you know, even they tried to go through the process. I think, um, you know, I think there's real technology there that was built. But again, a lot of those companies didn't even manage that right. They didn't patent it. They don't own their own IP. It was all licensed. So I think that'll be something interesting to watch as 2019 plays out. That, that's a great point. Um, the, the problem is that a lot of these companies that started had, had good intentions. A lot of them had good intentions. They had great developers, but they never had ran a business before. And they didn't even have the right people guiding them. Like uh, a lot of these advisors, they were not doing the right thing. They were taking payments in cash up front and steering the, the company in the wrong direction. They weren't fulfilling their obligations as advisors. Um, it, it, it's, it's very interesting to see really what happened and the breakdown of a lot of these companies. But again, it's only in a few rare occasions that when you give a group of basically college kids a whole bunch of money that they actually make it successful. So uh, I, I think we saw a lot of that this year with a lot of super talented individuals that got uh, you know, a windfall of cash and they didn't know how to manage it properly either. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that was part of our mission is to help companies be fiscally responsible and help them run the business. But it's it's really a tough thing to go in there and tell people, hey, you don't know how to run a business. Um, you know, people don't like to hear that. And, you know, that's why we have our crypto janitors program going on now. We're trying to help people who maybe do have some cash left or, you know, they did build technology and they want to become compliant and they want to operate like a business. Um, mm -hmm. So we've gotten some pretty good feedback and we've gotten a fair number of companies to reach out to us on that. That's great. So, so you are finding that a lot of these companies are admitting that, you know, we've got a couple pieces of this puzzle correct, but we really need guidance from people in the not only traditional market, but legal structuring as well. Exactly. Yeah. People need help across the board. I think it's, yep. I think it's pretty clear. Um, and, you know, I think some of the subpoenas, I mean, Paragon One and Air Fox, they were they were significant because they were the first time that they, the SEC subpoenaed somebody where it wasn't a case of just blatant gross fraud. I mean, you know, all the other ones where, you know, somebody raised the money and just ran away with it. Here was a case where people were trying to run an, or operate a business and they sold what the SEC deemed to be a security. So I think that, um, I think that, that was a shot across the bow for a lot of people who did things the wrong way. And I think now is really the opportunity um, for them to, for them to right their wrongs. So, I think that's a great segue there too. Um, we saw a couple high profile companies basically get, get nabbed for essentially being securities. Um, we see Pantera admitting that a, a, a good majority of the projects that they invested in could potentially be deemed securities. Therefore, 
there's going to be some issues with their LPs and investors in that fund. Um, in terms of clarity from the SEC, how are you viewing things and how have things have changed since 2018? Um, I don't think our view has changed. I think our view has been pretty steadfast that most of these are securities. And I think towards the end of 2018, we've launched that program um, to help people because, you know, you can go to the S, we can bring somebody confidentially to the SEC and say, hey, look, you know, this was an unregistered security. You can pay your, you can pay your penalty. You can offer a refund to investors, which you're going to be legally obligated to do. Um, but you could, you know, explain it really well to them. And, you know, people who are really trying to invest in the company because they believe in the company will keep their capital there. You can get your finances together and then you could, you know, move forward, put the issue behind you and try and continue to build a business. But if you're not proactive with it, you're going to get hit with the subpoena. You're going to panic. You're not going to know what to do. And then it doesn't look like you were proactive with it. I mean, everybody who issued a security, I don't think there's many people in denial. I think a lot of people know that they did it and they just don't know what to do next. And I think that's what we're trying to do is say, hey, this is, you know, this is the right path if you still want to build your business. If not, the SEC is going to come in, you're going to have to refund all the money, you're going to shut down and you're going to be out of business. And you know, you're depending on if you have money to refund people or not, you could face personal liability and you could have people going after your personal assets on account of fraud. That's a great point. So it, 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 obviously there's an opportunity for you guys to, to swoop in and really help uh, these projects that are stuck between a rock and a hard place legally. And maybe they don't, they're nervous to move forward and their intentions are genuine, but they realize they, they essentially screwed up. Um, and they're, they're unfamiliar with the steps to take to, to become, you know, right with the sec and, and right with the other legislative, uh, divisions there. So I, I think that's a great opportunity. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the large, larger picture with STOs, I mean, it, from your experience, and I know you spent some time uh, at Capitol Hill and such, it, is there an ideal company that would, would want to launch an STO? Like what, what would make a good STO uh, company? So I think anybody who's looking to raise private capital and has something to give back to investors. Um, so, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, uh, it's a pre IPO. It's instead of selling equity, you're deciding to sell a token, like say Uber right now wanted to sell a security token and they wanted to sell an equity interest in tokens. It's just a different method of doing it. I mean, do you want to own 0.0% of Uber? in e-liquid um, private stock, or do you want to own 0.001% of Uber in a liquid security token that you can say, you know what, I, I like this investment, I want to hold it, or I don't like it, I want to cash it out on a, on a marketplace. So I think that's, um, I think the liquidity becomes a real benefit to the investors and potentially the company both. Um, so yeah, I think, that's, I think that's where you're at. I think now, if you're looking to raise capital by selling equity, I think that you, to, to issue a token, I think you need to have an MVP. Um, probably closer to a roking product. And if you're pre-revenue, um, you better be pretty close to revenue because now you're taking money for an investment and substantial stumps, substantial stumps. And the money, you know, the development capital to build your product and get you to the point where you're able to bring a product to market, I really wouldn't be issuing a token for that. That's something I'd be doing through a private, um, maybe a safe agreement or maybe just a simple, you know, probably, probably a sale of equity, I would say. So from your experience um, and from a macro view, I guess, what's the biggest problem 
for cryptocurrency right now in terms of the lack of reg regulation? Well, I think you have probably um, coin market capitalists with about 2,000 coins. I think you have about 50 of them that are viable. Um, so, I mean, you have basically 19, 1,950 companies that either broke securities laws in the United States or which just aren't viable businesses that are going to fail. So you have, you know, a massive chunk of this market. And like I said, the market's going to evolve. There's going to be security tokens. There's going to be institutional players. And that's, you know, that's the segue in 2019. It's not going to happen overnight. I think we're going to see security token deals getting funded. Um, I'm hoping, yeah, I saw a T zero today, got a patent for their, uh, for their software. I'm hoping today that, um, that, you know, they'll make some progress or make an announcement towards when their exchange is going to be open and liquid. And I think that's really the first step is having institutional grade products, institutional grade companies, and that'll grow. And as you do that, that coin market capitalist is going to die. And you're going to slowly start seeing these companies go to zero trading volume and, you know, their token price go to zero. I mean, unfortunately, but like, you know, like a company like finance, I mean, they've got a real business. They've got a token that, that, that has a real use case and they have a real business. There's, there's a fair amount of them, but they're, like I said, there's probably like 50 or so, unfortunately. That's a great point, and I was going to bring that up earlier. Some of these exchange tokens like Binance Coin, which is one of the most successful, best-performing coins out there, actually does have what could be argued as a utility use case. Um, obviously, it does. Um, there's not many out there with a pure utility there's use not. case, so no, I totally I think agree. Because I think that's because the industry is still so young. I mean, the industry really has just gotten built and it's on its feet. And, you know, it's like kind of the security tokens building the brick and mortar setup of the Chuck E. Cheese. And these utility tokens are the token inside of it. It's not even built yet. So you're trying to, you know, you're way, way ahead of the game. And it's not built and it's not ready to use. I mean, we still get on the phone with people who are trying to sell utility tokens, trying to talk them out of it. We're like, can I use your token today? And they're like, no. It's like, well, it's not not a utility. It's an investment in the company so you can build stuff. Um, and that's the problem. A lot of people don't get it. And it's, you know, it's part information gap. It's part people still think that they could get um, easy fundraising. And I mean, let's face it, security tokens are, are going to be harder to fund because your pool of capital is smaller. Unless you're doing a CF where you can only raise a million seventy thousand, or you're going to, you know, spend the nine months and get registered for an A+. Plus, you're only selling to accredited investors. Absolutely. Um, what are your thoughts on Ethereum and the the SEC decisions that they've made so far? I, you know, it's established right now that it's, I guess, not a security. Um, yeah. Then there's been some people saying that, yes, it is, because it's not uh, as decentralized as may have they, they had in the past said it was. Um, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on that from your standpoint? I'm pretty comfortable with the fact that I don't think Ethereum's a security. I think that it's a, it's a utility. I mean, it has a use. You can build things. You can use it on the network. Um, will, will Ethereum survive, I think, is a good question. And I think that has to do with how they can scale and how, you know, how quick they can process transactions. I mean, Visa can do 24,000 a second. Ripple can do 1,500 a second. Um, you know, Ethereum's not even a tenth of what Visa can do. So... Um, will they survive or will something else come out that's a lot quicker and a lot faster and, and that'll kill all those slower platforms? I mean, speed speed and adoptability are going to be key. And I don't think that Ethereum's, I mean, it might be the leader, right? It's not the leader right now in speed. It might be the leader right now in adoptability, but mm -hmm. I don't know how much longer it will be. So then with that, do you think that projects like Zillica um, and some of the other platforms out there, would they be safely... 
uh, a utility token. I mean, I'm not exactly familiar with the structure that Zillica has, but um, if they mimicked Ethereum, I guess you could claim that they're as decentralized and they're not a security. Yeah, I'm not 100% familiar either, so I wouldn't give you a concrete answer, but I would agree that, that platforms like that that sold tokens when they were ready to use, those wouldn't be a security in, in my eyes. Got it. Got it. Um, in terms of uh, the bear market right now, um, I'm under the mindset that that's obviously a good thing and kind of a cleansing process. Um, I mentioned a couple you know, months ago when things we were at that 6,500 level and then we took that basically 50% drop from there. Um, this is where we're going to start to see, you know, the charlatans and uh, the, the ICO salesmen and all these types of people to kind of drift off. And, and I think that's ultimately a good thing. Um, but, but it's also crippling for a lot of the good companies out there. So we've seen this time and time again, with Bitcoin, uh, where the market goes up and down, and that's just the beginning of formal, formally putting together this asset class, in my opinion. And there's going to be ups and downs, but I'm curious, from your standpoint, how you feel about the future. Is If it's 2020, 2021, what are your thoughts? Well, I think something that's significant for me that I'll, I'll be watching is when security tokens are liquid and trading, when does the market become uncorrelated to Bitcoin? You know, I mean, for the past, you know, since its inception, the market's basically moved exactly in lockstep with Bitcoin. I mean, the correlation's been very close to 100%. So I think you start to see the market grow up when, you know, Bitcoin can have a down day, but something else could go up um, based on good news for the company or, you know, just based on the company being strong. So I think that's something significant that, that I'm really watching for. But I, I would agree with you that the, you know, the drop, although it costs jobs and people lose money, um, for the industry to survive, it was necessary. I mean, it was getting a little ridiculous. You go to every conference and they're not industry trade shows. They're not people showcasing products. It's people trying to sell you, sell you, sell you. I mean, they don't even want to know your name before they start selling you. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of overwhelming. I'm sure you, you've seen, you know, the same at some of the conferences. And it's, you can't even network. You can't have a genuine conversation with someone because all they want to do is sell. Yeah, it's... Um something that I had never experienced before and uh, the difference between the traditional startup world and I, this ICOs and crypto, it's very, very different. And uh, there's, with that being said, I think there's also unrealistic expectations set upon blockchain startups. Um, you know, this, this when mainnet, when moon mentality really spoiled a lot of people. And I think that we have to remember that a lot of these projects, although they're well-funded, they need time to really uh, master their craft. So Ethereum has been talking about scaling solutions for the past two years. And we thought there was gonna be something in 2016. We thought there was gonna be something in 2017. 2018 is blown by and we've gotten nothing. I think that if there's you know, ultimately the most used platform, one of the, well, the most used platform out there, it's got the richest, most uh, dedicated development uh, community behind it. And they aren't able to tackle some of these heavy hitting scaling issues. I think we're going to have a couple years before we really see 
the transactions per second similar to like Visa and stuff like that. But I guess what I'm saying is, although we should be looking at these projects with a grain of salt, it's under it's important to also look at them as startups, and that's exactly what they are. So we, they need time to develop. Uh, so it's it's kind of a, a mix up. You have to be able to give them the time they need to develop and become the projects that they were meant to be, but also not throw money at an idea. So it's difficult. Yeah, I mean, I think any, you know, I don't know if you've uh, ever looked at software building or construction. When does anything ever get built on time? I mean, there's always delays. And I think people have to realize that. And, you know, I, I think that um, part of 2019 too will be good investor relations and companies keeping people informed. I mean, the Telegram channels are, are not informed. I mean, that's, that's mostly bots and, you know, anarchy. Um, yep. You need companies to come out and issue real press releases and give people accurate timelines on what they're doing and what their milestones and what their goals are. Uh, not just when, you know, when they're launching their token and raising, you know, we're raising money in 2019. We expect to have something in 2023. I mean, I can't tell you how many roadmaps I've looked at where companies are like, yeah, we're raising this year and we'll have something in three years. It's like, that's, you know, it's yeah. almost unacceptable. Yeah. And I think you touched on this before is that we're seeing um, an interesting trend. I've seen at least in the projects that I've been looking at and revisiting is that a lot of these projects are doing additional rounds of funding, um, which I think is a good thing. Um, th there should be similar to the regular startup world. There should be a friends and family. Then there should be, you know, an A series, something like that. And let's mimic exactly. that same process with uh, funding where goals are met. And then I think the whole scene is going to mature a little bit. So that, that's my thought. I would agree wholeheartedly. I think we're at that point. Um, I think we're at that point as well. Yeah. Um, in terms of in terms of Bitcoin, I'm curious what your thoughts are. I know you have uh, expertise in in areas that are you know not necessarily related to directly Bitcoin, um, and you're dealing with a lot of these startups. What are your thoughts on arguably? The, well, it is the biggest cryptocurrency out there, but it's the most successfully decentralized and it's the most pure. Um, what are your thoughts on the, the currency element of Bitcoin? Well, I think I, I'm, a, I'm in the camp that it's a digital gold. Um, I think once the volatility slows down, you have a lot of value investors and people who traditionally keep their, traditional keep their capital in gold. I mean, that would, uh, that would switch over to Bitcoin. Um, but I'm not... I'm not a believer that it's, it has a viability as a currency. I think the transaction time is too slow. I mean, if I sent you $20 of Bitcoin right now, it might take 30 minutes. So it's almost impossible to transact them. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I think that's true too, that the, the version of Bitcoin that we see right now is not going to be the version we see in three years from now. Um, with updates like Lightning Network and elements of privacy that could very easily be implemented, um, I, I think Bitcoin is still very, very, very early on. So I'm, I'm extremely optimistic and extremely bullish on, on Bitcoin long term. Um, I, I, I never tell anybody to get involved with Bitcoin unless they truly understand the risks because I, I kind of disagree with the, with the digital gold um, analogy 
right now because gold is not dropping 90% in value. I think at some point it's going to get there, but overall it's been a great long-term performer, but short-term it's, it's just not there. I mean, if you look at it over the past 10 years, it's outperformed equities. So if, um, you know, I know the hedge funder that made the bet with Warren Buffett back during the recession, if he would have picked Bitcoin instead of a basket of hedge funds, he would have outperformed. So that's, that's very true. I mean, and if you look at the lows of Bitcoin every year, every year Bitcoin's had a marginally higher low than the year before. So I think that it is growing. I think that, I mean, if, you know, if you invested in something as a safe haven asset and you've been holding it, um, you've done very, very well. I think that trading it is dangerous anytime you're talking about safe haven. And I think that's where the volatility comes in. If you're holding it as a store value and you know you want something, um, I, I get asked a question about putting it in an IRA. And I'm like, well, you know, if you were young, if you're somebody your age or my age, I think it's an interesting proposition because I think that it has the ability to outperform. Um, but I think you're going to see, you know, short spurts of short-term pain but between now and you know 2050 where's it going to be it's it's probably going to be a lot higher and i think that um you know it, it could be a good choice so do you think that um do you think that there's ultimately going to be you know let's say five cryptocurrencies that exist um i i'm kind of torn because i can see a world where there's a lot of these internal tokens, whether it's, you know, Starbucks coin or something like that for rewards. Um, and then there's two or three global currency tokens that are used for a transfer of value. Um, but I could also see hundreds of tokens being used every day for different things. Uh, I think it's too early, but what are your thoughts? I think that, I mean, how many currencies are there in the world now? There's, there's probably well over 200. Um, so I think that, there's definitely going to be a, a fair number of them. I think we're going to see utility tokens that aren't going to be on private exchanges, but they're going to be built within companies. Um, and I think we're going to see a lot of security tokens. But as far as, you know, cryptocurrencies in the form of Bitcoin that are used as kind of a, a global payment or to process transactions, I, I think we'll see a hundred or two. I mean, not 2000, but there's, there's definitely a lean there for a couple hundred. I mean, people are always going to like something different, even the Bitcoin. Um, the Bitcoin folk themselves couldn't decide on Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash. So, you know, now they've forwarded it three times. Um, people from essentially the same realm. So, you know, we're, we're definitely going to see a number of alternatives. So if people want to get in touch with you guys, what's your event schedule like? What are you guys doing in 2019? Um, are you hosting any more events? What, what events are you going to be attending? Do you have all that nailed down yet? So right now, um, I know the month of January, I will be in Davos and I will be at the North American uh, Bitcoin Conference in Miami. So those are, those are two events I know I'll be at. Other than that, I'm going to Singapore for some meetings. And I mean, the easiest way to, to reach us is just by calling my number. It's on the website or email. Um, and I'm happy to chat with anyone. But those are the events I know of. We're planning some events. Um, probably do one in February once people get a little settled down in the new year. And then um, maybe another one in May. So we're, we're definitely planning some stuff. And, and we have some exciting stuff coming out. But, um, but yeah, those are the events that I'm, I'm sure I'll be at right now. Great. Um, any final thoughts for uh, the outlook on 2019? I mean, well, I do think you feel comfortable giving any predictions? I always try to ask, but most people won't give any. And I think that's a good idea. <laughs> um, I don't want to give any, except that I will say, I think 2018, the whole mood of the year was just declining bearishly. I think we've kind of hit the bottom and I think the whole mood is going to be upbeat. We're going to get a regulatory bill. We're going to get institutional adoption, not 
complete, but we're going to have them come in. And I think 2019 is going to be a lot more fruitful than 2018. Um, that's what I would say is my prediction. Very good. Very fair. Well, Kyle, I appreciate your time here. So look forward to, to meeting up with you at some of these events and uh, we'll, we'll stay in touch. Sounds great. Thank you for your time. Looking forward to seeing you in Miami. Great.